All right, Austin, this episode is going to be a little different than anything we've ever done. Uh, awful, unthinkable, seemingly impossible tragedy struck Sunday, 10 a.m., uh, when one of the greatest and most influential athletes, Kobe Bryant, was killed in a helicopter crash, along with his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna Bryant, Gigi Bryant, as well as seven others. Uh, it just felt so wrong to say into a microphone just now. There's just no way that it can be true. Sunday altogether just felt like a nightmare. Uh, Austin, what was it like for you? Yeah, it's just felt weird since the seeing the news for the first time. It feels like it's a, a bad dream. It sounds cliche, but that's how it seems. And very rarely in life do you, in a moment, know that you're going to know exactly where you are, what who you were with, and what you were doing when you hear or see something. And this just felt like an out-of-body experience type thing, like no way this is true. And it's definitely something I'll never forget, the feeling that came over me and the people I was with and the people on the TV while it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable, and it's probably the biggest celebrity death and tragedy of celebrity tragedy of our, our lives easily I would say definitely of our lives uh possibly of all time and I, I don't think of anything that even comes close to this no, uh, the only thing I remember where I was when Michael Jackson died but he was kind of more before our generation yeah like we know who Michael Jackson was our whole lives but he wasn't Michael Jackson really in our life and that was a OD type thing he was kind of dealing with health issues and a bunch of controversy so it really is I'm not going to say it's not as sad. It's always sad when anybody dies, or especially a celebrity or somebody that affected a lot of people's lives. But, I mean, this came out of nowhere. Kobe's still 41 years old, still in the prime of his life, and still doing a bunch of big things. And makes it even worse that there's eight others, including his 13-year-old daughter. Yeah, I think the roughest part for people like you and I who live for sports, live for sports moments, uh, live for Twitter in a weird way is, is how Twitter was taken over yesterday. and you saw so many tweets that kind of just like, it, it just is gutting. It just makes you sick uh, seeing these videos and it, these different people comment on it. And I mean, you had a tweet yesterday that that's right up there. You, like we grew up with Kobe, you know, like yeah. he, he was involved in every single part of our childhood and we loved the video games. We loved the NBA and I mean, Kobe, it felt like he had two different careers with number eight and number 24 and. And he was kind of ready for his third. I mean, the the guy was capable of so much uh, post-basketball. I feel like he could have been a Tony Romo-style announcer. He could have coached a team. He could have owned a team. And and for what his daughter would have been capable of, it's it's sickening to think about because what Kobe's done for women's basketball and everything, it, it's it's just hard. Yeah, a lot of a lot of athletes, especially a lot of guys that are like the alpha on their team, they retire and they kind of like lose themselves away from the game or away from just the spotlight, really. And Kobe was never going to be like that. He's just a genius in everything he does. I know the term one of a kind kind of gets thrown around a lot, but Kobe was genuinely the most unique athlete I think we've ever seen and we probably ever will see as far as how dominant he was on the court and how versatile and just intelligent he was off the court and how many goals and aspirations he still had. If you listen to the Corp interview with Big Cat and A-Rod interviewing him. Yeah, it, did that today. Yeah, me too. And he, if you haven't listened to it, you need to listen to it. I mean, it's a great interview. He talks about all these things he's planning on doing. It's right after he retired, just all the things that he's planning on doing, all these business ventures he's going into, how him and A-Rod have kind of been preparing for retirement their whole careers. And it's a great listen. It makes it even more sad in hindsight, just knowing that he was still waking up every day with this drive and this these goals, and you know he would accomplish all of them plus more. It's it's so true, and I, I think the only 
right way to do this. It's tough to make a topic sheet or, or find a structured way to go through this. So I think we should just go back and forth and share our favorite Kobe Bryant memories ever. And uh, the court podcast is about as good as it gets in terms of listening to Kobe talk. And I think that's one of the uh, the most special things about him as a person is when you have the opportunity to listen to him talk, to gain his perspective on literally anything. He just has a different worldview than any other athlete that's been presented to us. And this Muse documentary that Showtime made back in 2015 really puts that into light. It goes back and forth between his rehab of his Achilles injury and his entire career. And you get it all. And the story is told by only him. There is one person interviewed for this documentary, and it is just Kobe. And I feel like that's so appropriate. Uh, it's about an hour and 22 minutes and shows you why Kobe was more than just a man, more than a star. Uh, he's capable of things that our best athletes of our life just simply weren't. So I kind of go through this. I have a lot of quotes in here. Um, jump in wherever you uh, see fit. I want to start with uh, his childhood. You know, his father played basketball overseas after playing in the NBA for eight years. I think. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to talk about that. Eight years, and he lived in Italy uh, when he was six. Uh, he says he just wanted to go practice. He didn't speak the language. Uh, he says he didn't know anyone, didn't have any friends. It's a quote here. I got along with kids. I didn't get along with kids, but I always had my ball. I could always grab my bike and go shoot. The familiarity always existed with the ball, no matter where I was. Uh, he then discusses how watching the NBA was a place he could go to where he was never alone, which I think is really relatable. No matter what you and I have going on in our lives, if you throw on a basketball game or a football game, you can kind of get lost within it. You can kind of forget about what you're doing and just appreciate what's going on or not appreciate what's going on, but take your focus off the rest of the world. That thing you just said about him um, living in Italy when he was a kid not having any friends, that's probably where he developed this work ethic that I don't think we've seen in maybe any athlete ever. I mean, LeBron is probably right there as far as just constantly trying to get better, but the stories you've been hearing about Kobe, that we, I mean, we've heard our whole lives, but now they're resurfacing with all this news, but some of the stuff is just insane. Like, you would never believe that anybody would be that committed to something that you're already so good at, and it's it's really crazy to even think about. Very true. He he plays his high school basketball at Lower Marion in Philadelphia. Uh, he said, until the age of 13, the game was about passion. It was about love. But he he starts high school in Philadelphia, and he was uncomfortable. Ate lunch alone, had all of this anger, didn't know what to do with it. So he used it. That feeling of playing with rage was new for me, and I f***ing loved it. I love when Kobe Bryant says the <laughs> F word in this documentary, too, because it's got this fire and, and this rage behind it. Like, when he's... When he's going back to these moments in his life, he's like literally shaking telling the story. You can tell it like meant so much to him, but he's a guy that grew up a Laker fan. And his rookie year, he doesn't play much. He said he used to drive around UCLA's campus, and he just wanted to feel that. He, in a way, regretted not going to college and not being able to laugh and have fun with all these kids he sees at fraternity parties on the street. But here he is in the NBA. And then game five against the Jazz, the four air balls. First is a possible game winner in regulation, and the next three are in overtime. And they're bad air balls. Like, this was before our era, but this is to Carl Malone and Stockton. They have Shaq, Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones. It's a great throwback 2K team, this 97-98 this oh, like yeah. Lakers team. But he said right after that game, he went to a high school, a janitor let him in, and he shot all day. And he emphasizes the all day three times. He said he was really excited when the schedule came out for the next year. And they had Utah, game one, year two. 
He says, I came through really big in the clutch. For the vets, they probably didn't give a shit about it. Another regular season game. But to me, it was a really, really big deal. And I think that kind of shows, like, his energy. And like you said, the work ethic. Like, he went into every single game, like, wanting to annihilate his opponent. And I don't think we can say that about today's NBA. I mean, it's funny now, like, looking at this load management stuff. Yeah. Like, Kobe Bryant would never do that. Yeah, I saw a quote from him saying earlier, he's like, there's days my back hurt, my feet hurt, I had my knee was the size of a softball. He's like, I never considered not playing unless I could not play. A lot of guys today, they don't have that same um, same mentality, and but pretty much nobody has Kobe's mentality. But, yeah, it, it is crazy how quickly sports overall, but the NBA has changed in just a short amount of time. Let's talk about the uh, Kobe and Shaq era now. Uh, this this era, they actually spent the least amount of time on in, on this documentary, which I think is really appropriate. And it is worth mentioning that Kobe made this documentary. Uh, it's it's not made by a third party. Showtime is the network, but it's it's created by Kobe. And uh, they don't spend a ton of time. Shaq and him win three titles in this documentary in in a span of three to five minutes because the second span of his career meant so much more to him because of what he had to prove to the world but that that team with him and Shaq it was as fun as video games have ever been it's as dominant. or the worst if you're playing against them yes or the or the worst depending on, <laughs> depending on your who, situation. what team you drew yeah yeah but I will never see anything this dominant again I, I think it proves if, if the Warriors couldn't three-peat who knows if anybody will ever be able to but that's your most recent three-peat that you see in NBA history and that's from 2000 to 2002 and that's crazy to think about that's the last one yeah with all the great teams that have been in the NBA in this era of super teams yeah where no it's still so tough to win it not even once but especially three times and the Lakers just did it the right way they acquired Shaq people want to go to LA and then they get Kobe in a draft trade where they send Vladi Divac to the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, is that the worst trade in history? For the Hornets, yes. For the Lakers, it's yeah. the best. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's, it's him, it's Shaq, it's the most dominant duo ever. I think every kid in the in their driveway wanted to be Kobe and Shaq. I know me and Pat did. You, know, <laughs> you and Dylan probably had similar thoughts back in the day. And it's, uh, it's crushing to think that uh, – you know, Shaq and Kobe will never get to have another conversation. And their relationship was one of the wildest in, in sports. Like, their breakup, ah, it was tough. It it felt like you had to make a decision on which yeah, one you liked. You, did. And you loved both, you know, like, at least at the time. Like, I, I loved them both. And I, I loved Kobe more because I could relate to him more because he was a guard. You know, I wasn't a giant center that just did <laughs> yeah, one, or, be, yeah. one to four things out there. Do you have any – we were younger. Do you have any memories yeah, we of watching Kobe and Shaq? Yeah, so this is pretty much like the first couple years of watching basketball and kind of like retaining information. I'm a Pistons fan, so I remember I remember that finals pretty about as vividly as you can for somebody that was 10 years old at the time. I remember where I was when the Pistons won the title. Big Tayshawn Prince guy, me and my dad and my brother all watching it together. And I just remember going into that series like there's no way this Pistons team can beat Sha- I mean, Shaq and Kobe. like, And they have Carl Malone and Gary yeah. Payton this year. Yeah, they've won three in a row. Like there's no way they can beat this team. And then – just every game we won, I'm like, okay, we might. Like, I saw this, I saw this Nike ad, and I thought it was pretty relevant to my life. It was Kobe hitting all these big shots, and he was like, it was like, like hero, villain, legend, all this stuff. Like when I was growing up, Kobe was the villain to me. Like I never really cheered for Kobe. I did in his last, I like, guess, second half of his career. But early on, I couldn't stand him. Was I never like when the same teams win it all and yeah. just so dominant, and all that. And I was a Pistons fan, and he played us in the finals, and 
always appreciated his game, but to me, he was always the villain, and I think he kind of thrived off that more so than being the hero. Like, I think he would rather hit a game winner on the road than in L.A., and that's just a different mindset than a lot of people have. So that's actually my favorite chapter of this documentary. It's it's chapter six. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, and we'll draw back, but chapter six, it's called The Black Hat, and uh, that's when he's going through all this stuff off the court, and... Uh, he, he says, a place that was once his refuge is now filled with hate. So that's where he created the Black Mamba. And uh, he says, Kobe has to deal with the personal challenges. The Black Mamba steps on the court and does what he does. And this is a quote from Kobe here. It was just f- everyone. I'm destroying everyone that steps on the court. There's a battle going on within me that I'm carrying with me. So it's not about you. You're not making me go. I'm driving this thing. And you just so happen to be the person that's in my way. And you may get demolished in the process. And then it flashes to the 81-point game, which is like so impossible to forget because it's the greatest scoring performance that we've ever seen in the history of pro sports in terms of our lives. Like 81 points in one game. Wilt Chamberlain apparently had 100 once. Is there even video footage of that? Uh, not. I don't think so. If there is, it's not very high quality. It's not very, um, I don't, just not very, I'm not going to say believable because it happened, but like Maybe. hard to imagine that ever happened. He was just so much taller than everybody. It's so different than a guard going out there and scoring 81. Yeah. I think Kobe's is way more impressive than his 100. And he has 26 at halftime. He ends up with 81. <laughs> yeah, what, he had 27 in third and 28 in the fourth, something like that? It's something that 56 I, in the second half? I definitely want to sit down and, and watch it and take it in again. And I think that's what sucks about this tragedy the most is, like, watching that documentary, watching these old games. Like, we, we have Game 7 2010 Finals on right now, and it's like th- this is what it takes to, to get society to – to feel this way and it would be random you know if we all just like remembered Kobe on a yeah, random day yeah, and he was right. still alive but it, it it's a terrible thing that tragedy is what sparks this side of the world where like where Twitter becomes like unbelievable in a sense like you every post or, yeah, is just everybody it. just drops everything and rallies around one tragedy they they win three titles and then Kobe's kind of in this this mode of his career where he's doing this by himself Shaq's gone Shaq and D-Wade win the title that was probably the like the worst thing in the world for Kobe yeah and I remember um they lost a series to the Celtics and I remember that Sha- Shaq rapping went viral when he's like last week Kobe couldn't do it without me I always remember when they showed that on Center. he says after the 81 point game I wanted to prove to myself that I could win under a different role and that's when we have the uh, the Celtics and Lakers kind of rivalry revisited. And the Celtics win it in 08. The anything is possible, Kevin Garnett. Yeah, know. I still don't really get that. They were like the one seed, the best team in basketball all year. Yeah. Don't really get the anything. I mean, cool clip now, but in the, the moment you're like. super team. Yeah, any, cool clip now, like to like meme on Twitter and stuff. But like, what, what is he talking about? Yeah, these wars between uh, the Lakers and the Celtics. So it's. It's as good as it gets. The the Kobe and Powell against Rondo, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Throwing Big Baby Davis in there. He's he was got a nice role player. He was nice. He's out there right now getting some minutes. <laughs> she Wallace out there. Shocking. Oh my God, he's got the ball in the post <laughs> against Lamar. Yeah, interesting <laughs> to see if Rasheed Wallace scores here. Banks it in off the top in. of the backboard. Incredible. <laughs> but it, that was a really really fun three year stretch, and that that's right when our memories are kind of completely shaped and. You can really remember. I, yeah, I remember those finals pretty like, throwing pretty them on. Detailed. Like, yeah. I was really happy when I asked you to be on this podcast, and you're like, I'd love to because 
I think a lot of people, you know, say they like the NBA or like care about the NBA, but they don't really watch it. And you and I like really like really watch it and yeah. like care about it and and have for like a long time. And and I've never understood the the not loving the NBA because it's the highest level of basketball that you can ever see. It's all these best players that you watch in college that you love. They're either going to sink or swim here. And yeah. it, it's as good as it gets and uh, these this final stretch that they have with the Celtics is is just crazy, but they lose that. They they lose to the Celtics in the finals, and Kobe grew up a Laker fan, so he watches that rivalry develop his whole life, and then he loses that series when he just wanted to win without Shaq so bad. And that's a few quotes here. When you f*** up, I'm not going to put my arm around you. Aw, you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> that's just not me. I love that. And then he kind of talks about embracing this villain nature. Says using the darker emotions, anger, resentment, sadness, using it as a weapon, as a form of offense. People are afraid to tap into that side, which is such a powerful thing. And I think that that's something that like a lot of people don't want to do. You don't want to go back to those moments where you just experience the worst kind of failure and think about them because it's a horrible thing to think about. It's nice to only think about positive things. When you walked in here today, it was like, how rough has this been, man? Like just constantly yeah. thinking about this. Yeah, it's felt like something has been off the past two days, really. I never thought a celebrity death would make me feel like somebody I knew died, but, I mean, that's really that's how it's been. It, it really has felt like that, and and I don't know that we'll ever experience anything like this again, and honestly, hopefully we don't. I mean, it, I can't it's imagine, a horrible feeling. I can't imagine many celebrity deaths affecting me the way that this one has. There's probably there's probably a handful of people that would, but... Yeah, I mean, I hope it obviously hope it doesn't happen to anybody else. But it it just it could happen to the the ninth man on a current NBA team, you know, and it would it would shake the sports world. Like you you don't see stuff like this happen hardly ever, but it it is possible. Nobody is immortal, and when you see something like this happen to Kobe Bryant, like Lamar Odom's Instagram caption, we're we're gonna get into like some of these old teammates' comments, but Lamar Odom's Instagram caption is. It's rough, you know, yeah. Where he's like, I, I, I wish just, it was me, pretty yeah, much. Instead I, I of Kobe. wish it was me. I, I expected him. Like, if if somebody's in that situation, they could jump and land on two feet and survive. Like it's Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how he's been viewed by everybody this, his whole career because he's been so fearless and just so good at everything he does. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this Pow era now. The second era, the 2009 title, they beat the Magic, and there's this quote in the. It's, it's really small. There's this moment where they're in the training room. They're getting treatment. Kobe looks at Powell. He's like, Powell, you ready? And Powell just looks at him like, you crazy bastard. <laughs> and they go out. The next shot is of Powell getting an A1 and just like screaming. Like Powell looks like he's insane. And, and Kobe talks about how he wanted to Im imprint his DNA on this team. He wanted 12 people that wanted to win as badly as he did. And he, he finally gets that. And Lamar Odom, Powell, Kobe, Derek Fisher, I mean, God, they were fun. As a squad. It was such a fun group. The worst thing about that finals is that was our one shot at a LeBron-Kobe finals, and we didn't get it. And LeBron, it's LeBron's fault he botched it. Yeah, Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson, and he do Turkaloo too much. Yeah, that shouldn't be a thing, you know? Like, LeBron should have won that series, regardless yeah. of who he's with. I still think that the Lakers probably still win that series regardless. Oh, but, yeah, I think they dominate, but I think it's yeah. a cooler. It'd be cooler for the history of basketball. Yeah, but the, of, most people probably won't even remember the Magic made a finals it's, in, the 20, in the 2000s. It's kind of amazing. But the, uh, the champagne shower after that finals, I don't know if any other person, at least in the shot they use in the Muse documentary, has ever looked more alive than Kobe Bryant does in that moment where he's, like, conquered the inevitable like he has won the championship without Shaq he's done it 
and then the whole challenge kind of presents itself again to where it's like he's going to view himself as a failure if he loses to the Celtics in the 2010 finals. And that's kind of the the moment in his career where things turned for him, the, the most important series that he's ever played in, the most important basketball games that he's ever played in. And he says the proposition of losing to these guys in the finals again after watching Jerry West lose over and over to the Celtics, the Magic and Bird, now I'm a part of this rivalry. I have a chapter. What's going to be said about this team is that we've lost to the Celtics in the finals twice? I don't think so. And then it flashes to them winning the series, and and you have the Artest shot where you can see in Kobe's face he's going, no, no, no. <laughs> and the Celtics— I think the whole country was saying that, Yeah, we're especially wa- Lakers fans. When we're watching this game, every single time Kobe Bryant gets the ball near the three-point line, the Celtics send a double at him, and they're not going to let him beat him. And that's exactly what they do on that play. And if there's about a minute left, and he— Gets the ball to Artest because he's getting doubled, and Artest pulls up. He's really not even open, and he like hesitates with it too. Like he, I don't think he even wanted to shoot that, but he uh, he cashes out. Yeah, he bangs it and he wins it. And the the look, Rondo misses a three, and Powell throws it up, and Kobe goes to get the ball, and it's it's as happy as you've ever seen him on the basketball court when he realizes that he just went back to back without Shaq. And oh man, and he says after we did that. We have a bond that unites us forever. It'll never be broken because the lion looked us in the face and we looked back. That's just the hardest shit ever. All his quotes are so just tough. Yeah, he finishes that segment with, I wanted to be able to sit down at the same table with my muses. Michael, Magic, I wanted to be able to sit down with them and I'm proud to say that I can do that. And yeah, I mean, you absolutely can. This is one of the best basketball players, if not the best basketball player to ever play. And in terms of our lives, I mean, it's just crazy. It's either Kobe or LeBron, you know, and and there's really not an argument for anybody else. And yeah, and, and Le- LeBron, LeBron's kind of taken over the league the past ten years. But when we were kids, like kids, this was our guy. Like this was Jordan to us. Yeah. Like how many times were we in the backyard doing that little post fade, Kobe? I mean, every, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, every time. I mean, yeah. This is who every backyard basketball player wanted to be. Yeah. So true, and uh, there's so many other moments in his career you can draw back to. I mean, the 60-point game, the last game, uh, you and I watched that second half at my house, correct? Yes. And I I watched the first half at my mom's house, and my sister called me and reminded me of that because I know we took in the end of that together. Yeah, we did. And uh, it's like you're watching a movie, and and the whole thing kind of feels like a movie. Literally, I mean – this guy, Shaq, was joking. He said, he, you know, go get 50 in your last game, and he went yeah. 60, and that's what yeah. kind of guy Kobe was. And, and that game was it was close down the stretch. If the Jazz would have won that game, they would have had the eighth seed. Yeah, it's not playoffs. like it was a completely meaningless it wasn't. game. Like, like, the Jazz were trying their hard. They weren't letting Kobe go out there and get 60 in his last game and get a win. Like, they had the playoffs on the line. Yeah, desperately needed to win, and Kobe just hits every single shot down the stretch. And uh, I don't know. It's... It's like you, we haven't seen many athletes like that. I mean, you, you look at it, Kobe said on the court podcast that we both listened to today. Like every, every single one of our goals of like the goats goals win championships. That's yeah. it. Doesn't care. It doesn't matter how you get there. Doesn't care who you beat. Just when, win. When you're looking at our lives, you're looking at Kobe. You're looking at LeBron. You're looking at Tom Brady. You're looking at Derek Jeter for, as as these kind of players that have yeah. done that. And and Derek Jeter's last game was similar. You know, he ends it with that walk off hit. Yeah. 
and it just sometimes like sports it just feels like there's some higher power at work for for Kobe to be able to go out there and and to finish with 60 points it's it's insane yeah and that's kind of like the timing of this event like the night after LeBron finally passes him is just it's like crazy to even think about that it lined up like that yeah I mean his final tweet is like congrats LeBron like passing of the torch type and then he's gone within uh, like 12 hours oh it's terrible and you see that you know Shaq's son Sharif O'Neal yeah just, he was texting him like an hour two hours before it happened and he had just left UCLA like he's probably going through a lot in his life where college basketball is not exactly what he thought it was and he's yeah. looking for his the next move in his life and Kobe's just checking on him and yeah. it's two hours before it all happened it's it's so terrible and I've tried to take in as much of this as possible. It's it's hard to an extent to to keep listening and to keep watching stuff like this. But Bill Simmons did an emergency thing on it yesterday, and the main thing I took from that is he talked about that Team USA redeem team, and that, that was really fun seeing all those guys on one court together. But he says uh, the effect that he had on LeBron and Wade and Melo and Bosh, like they they all came back and had the best years of their careers after that summer after after being with Kobe. He's kind of the leader of that 08 team him and Jason Kidd, and then in 2012, he kind of gets to play with that next era in, in USA basketball with, with KD and Westbrook and and all that, and you, you just know those guys all looked up to him and everything, and it was just a really dark day in the NBA yesterday. Uh, it, it's hard to believe they had games. Yeah, yeah I think that was one of those things, because it happened, all the news kind of came out so close to like them playing, it probably would have been a nightmare trying to cancel all those, but... Yeah, I don't think there should have been games yesterday. But. It's just hard to look at those videos, like Tyson Chandler and Bradley Beal, and just certain, especially the guys, especially the guys who like, yeah, the guys with like Trey Young and all them that were like, they kind of looked up to him and like their mentor. And that picture of um, Kyle Lowry and DeRozan hugging oh my after God, the Spurs Raptors game, yeah, that's rough. And DeRozan like is like the biggest Kobe yeah. fan ever. Yeah, that that's oh, that was rough. But I would encourage everyone to take the time to to watch this documentary. It's on Prime Video. Kobe Bryant Muse Showtime to listen to the corp as Austin said uh, to watch detail on ESPN plus the show he did two years ago uh, take the time to listen to Kobe Bryant talk because watching him play was special but listening to him talk about anything it's just different he was one of a kind um, and he just has a way of capturing your attention and motivating you to be better in every part of your life yeah that's what that's what um, Big Cat said he said he's been He's been around the biggest athletes in the world. He's been around the biggest celebrities in the world. He said he's never felt an energy, like just a fixation to somebody. And then when he was in the room with Kobe, he said he just draws the attention of everyone in the whole building. It's like intimidating to a point. You know, his his routine was nuts. His, yeah. his daily routine was crazy. And I, I used to joke about it. Um, I used to tell girls that I dated, you know, what'd you do today? And I used to just list Kobe's routine, even yeah. though I, I personally would have done none of it. You know, so I'd respond back to these girls the same way Kobe actually responds to this question. I'd say, you know, I was up early, waits, breakfast, shoot around, <laughs> home. Sounds just like you. Take kids to school, practice, treatment, media, individual work, kids home from school, hang out with family or play a game. Uh, that is, that's a lot of stuff to, <laughs> to one of work my, in one day. One of my favorite sto- Kobe stories, which I've known, I knew before yesterday, but it came out yesterday. I think they were, I think it might have been when they were Olympics or overseas for something. He texts one of his trainers at like 4 a.m., asking him to come get shot, like help him with some conditioning. He's like, Yeah, I'll be there in a minute. He gets there. Kobe's already drenched in sweat yes. at 4 30. He goes home, take a nap, get some breakfast, comes back, and he asks Kobe what time he left. He's like, I didn't leave. Like, I'm still here from earlier. He, like he where he worked out from like 3 a.m. to noon, and then they had a game at like seven or so. I don't know. He's just insane. 
Yeah, he, he has this quote about, uh, he said, I knew I wasn't going to be stopped even at 18. Even if you want to stop me, you can't. You don't have the time. You have other responsibilities that are taking you away from that. And I'm just worried about this. So I already won. And that kind of exemplifies how he dominated the world. And it, things just couldn't get to him. Uh, another one, when the game itself is more important than the injury, then it won't get to you because it isn't what matters to you. The game does, not the injury. And like just stuff like that is like really, really great to like put into your mind and to like live with because i wish i had kobe's mindset on life we'd be so much better at everything we did if we could just trade our minds yes (laughs) yeah for just a little bit of that motivation but yeah the the routine's crazy and and it's one of the most heartbreaking parts about this whole process because kobe's been using helicopters for yeah for years years and he like multiple times a day for years he says on the court like that's what he used to do it's how he used to get to practice you know yeah and um, he said, you down and back in 15 minutes. I mean, I would, too, instead of sitting in traffic for an hour. When you're doing that same routine every day, like, you almost have to if you're going to do all the things that Kobe did. And his wife, Vanessa, said, you know, I can pick the kids up from school. You don't need to worry about it. And he says, no, no, I want to do that. I have road trips and times where I don't get to see my kids. And even if it's 20 minutes in the car, like, I need that. I yeah. want that. And I think that speaks to, like, Kobe being, like, an awesome dad. He says, my brain cannot process failure. It will not. If I have to face myself and I have to tell myself you're a failure, that's almost worse than death. And that is literally the final line of this documentary. And it is heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Uh, The NBA just delayed the Clippers-Lakers game Tuesday. I don't know how they're going to be able to play. I I can't believe they had the Grammys in that arena. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was pretty really cool how they left um, Kobe's jerseys lit up. Yeah, Kobe, you, if there's one thing he does not have to experience, uh, it's failure. Uh, do you think this is the saddest day in the history of sports? Um, it's hard to think of one that would be worse. I'm sure there's some that are comparable, but right now I don't I don't see any. I've never seen the entire sports world or just really the whole world just stop what they were doing on a Sunday. It just feels so inappropriate when you see anything that's not about Kobe Bryant right now. Yeah, I mean, every single picture on Instagram, every single tweet is a Kobe video, Kobe, remembrance of Kobe, something like that. And, yeah, it is weird, almost weird seeing anybody talk about anything else at yeah, this I point. I saw Trendon Watford, SCC Freshman of the Week. I was like, who f***ing cares about <laughs> that? Get that off my TL. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's going to be like that for a while, as it should be. Yeah, I, I don't think anything even comes close to this, um, and, and hopefully nothing ever does. Uh, this is something like, We'll never experience. We'll never experience the tragic loss of somebody that has accomplished so much in his life, and somebody that will accomplish so much. And his daughter being there is just rough, man. That yeah, it that, makes it so much worse. The Kimmel video where he's he's talking and he's like, you know, this this guy approached me and he was like, you need to he, congratulating him on having a newborn, which yeah. you know, that God, that's heartbreaking in itself. But says, you know, you need to have another one because what if it's a boy? You have to have somebody to carry on a tradition and his daughter steps in and says, like, no, right. that, that's me. And uh, it's it's uh, it's heartbreaking. But uh, the the tweets from these ex-teammates uh, are really rough. I mean, the the Shaq one, the pictures are, are just crushing. And I'm glad that they were able to sit down and do that stuff post-retirement and kind of squash whatever. Yeah, I'm glad they, got, they that, had. got that settled for sure. 
Yeah, and uh, the the one that killed me is uh, the Lamar Odom caption was about yeah. as rough as it gets. And, and still waiting on LeBron's. That's going to be absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, LeBron's is going to be. LeBron hasn't said or posted anything since it happened. And you saw that video of him coming off the the plane. Yeah, and Powell. Yeah, Powell hasn't made an Instagram post yet, and I, I'm really like looking forward slash not looking forward. To yeah, I mean it's that. obviously something that you don't want to see, but it will be. Interesting to see what they had to say and all that. Yeah, and Powell tweets yesterday, beyond devastated, my big brother, I can't, I just can't believe it. And I think that's how every single person in the world feels. And, you know, Jay Williams came on and said, you know, whatever, no matter what you have going on in your life, like whatever problem you have with somebody small or big, like let that go because, you, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, I thought his outlook on it was, was very appropriate and well said and, and there was a lot of that yesterday. It was like hard. Like Ramona Shelburne, that lady that's worked for ESPN for so long, like works in LA, like yeah. has covered Kobe her whole career. Like just outside of that building, you can tell she's just been sobbing, crying. And yeah, it's weird to see the people you see on TV every day. They just can't control their emotions because they all had personal relationships with Kobe. Yeah, like Stephen A. I mean, yeah. Stephen A's voice leads you into that song. You know, like he's the best player in the game today, bar yeah. none. <laughs> And listen to that like three times a day. Yeah, same. <laughs> it Stephen A's face yesterday was just so swollen. Um, oh man, it was rough. Uh, why don't you take it away? Hit me with some Kobe stuff. Um, one of my favorite personal Kobe moments from that 2008 Redeem team. That fourth quarter of the uh, I watched the entire second half of that game today at the, work. The Spain game. Yeah, and that's him versus Powell. Yeah, that's that awesome. Spain team was that Spain team was pretty loaded. And, I mean, USA team. If you look back at the roster, it looks loaded. But that was. When LeBron and Wade and all them were just entering their primes, they weren't like, I mean, they were still obviously really real players, but they weren't like the dominant players they went on to be. And Kobe just takes over down the stretch, 13 in the last like eight minutes to keep Spain down four, down six, puts it away. That's such a great game. Yeah, it brings the brings the gold back to the um, USA after the horrendous effort in 2004 yeah the the bronze effort in 2004 where Manu Ginobili and Luis Scola were just too much Scola was nice though yeah he was but <laughs> man that that 2008 gold medal game is a great rewatch it it always comes on after it might be the 2013 Louisville championship like there, there's a game that I consistently watch over and that game always comes on after it and yeah. I'm like oh well I'll just leave it on and watch know, a little in bit real time that game aired at 2 a.m. Really? Yeah, I learned that today. Huh. Laired at 2 a.m. in the U.S. Oh, we were in like eighth grade, so we were probably asleep. I think it was like a Sunday night I at 2 a.m. I might have been up. I might have been <laughs> playing NBA Street. Because I've read an article about this guy. He said all of him and all his friends were drunk at a bar, and he made them leave to go home to watch the second half of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's That'd funny. be nuts if we were at a bar at 2 a.m. and there was a live championship game going on with the best players in the world. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, we'd be going crazy. It would be fun. We didn't have that experience with this USA team over the summer. No, sure. and I am I think more people are going to play in the Olympics anyways, but I think a lot of people are going to dedicate this to Kobe because he talked about how much he loved playing for the U.S. and how much it meant to him. Yeah, he was the first one to like commit to that team. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm playing where we're not. Like, so I'm, we're, hoping, we're win this. I'm hoping the world's biggest stars all come out to um, in remembrance of Kobe and the USA team just is loaded. And Kobe's idol was magic, and what he did with the Redeem team, Redeem team was just so similar to that Dream team, and that was magic and Bird and MJ on the same team, and we didn't get to experience that. But like, like you already said, like Kobe Bryant engineered our version of that. He was at the head of of our generation's memories that have to do with with just universal basketball success and now just universal sadness and and I called my dad today to 
to ask, like, has anything ever compared to this in your life in terms of, you know, sports and stuff? And he said, you know, Michael Jackson and Payne Stewart. And I'd never heard of Payne Stewart. Yeah, never heard of him. And he, he, my dad's a big golf fan, and he's a golfer from the 90s, and he was once ranked third in the world. And he had just won his third major uh, before he died in a plane crash at age yeah. 42. I saw a lot of people um, bringing up Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, it, you know that is similar. Yeah, thing. he was like the peak of NASCAR, and he died like on TV. Like yeah. people saw it happen. Yeah, so that's probably pretty in, about in as comparable. Shocking, yeah, yeah, as comparable as it gets as far as the sports world. Yeah, definitely. And and still, I mean, it just it, Kobe accomplished yeah. so much. He's a five-time NBA champion. I mean, what was it? Eighteen-time All Star, youngest to ever start an All Star game. Twelve-time All Defense. The eighteen-time All Star just sounds like a typo. Like it's most nuts. most people don't play eighteen years in the, in any league. Oh man, yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, it, uh, riding in the car with Brian today, it's, it's just cool to hear everybody's different stories, different things they've remembered from this awful time. And he was like, you know, Kobe gave his All Star MVP trophy to Shaq's son, and they that said Shaq. That was the moment where Shaq kind of thought like, I'm, I'm the one that's like holding this grudge. Like I'm the piece yeah. of shit here. Like we need to like let this go and. Uh, just little stuff. I mean, the way Kobe transitioned from like a true villain to like a great dad and like a great idol to have, and that's kind of what he was to all of us. It, it was really, really something. The free throws after he tore his Achilles. Oh man, I don't know if anybody else in the history of basketball is doing that. Yeah, and that game in a regular season game that probably didn't mean much. So that's that's how they start the Muse documentary. That's him chapter tearing one. His Achilles. It's him tearing his Achilles yeah. and. I think they're like tied for the eighth spot. Like they're right there yeah. down the stretch, and there's five games left, and they still have Kobe and Dwight. So they're absolutely a Dwight. team that you don't want to see. And it's really cool. The actual first shot is like a tip off in that game, and it's just big number six, Earl Clark, right there. Oh, nice. That's why they the put start. that in there. Yeah, getting the start. So Earl Clark does make an appearance in the Kobe God, Bryant documentary. But Kobe is snapping on the Warriors, like just giving Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Steph Curry buckets, and. And he gets hurt, and he hits those free throws to make it 109-109, and there's just this, like, dead silence in the arena. And it's just, like, everybody's scared. And uh, it's really rough to watch now because he talks about afterwards how he's, like, he was crying and he was so upset, and, but, but he had to be strong for his kids. Like, yeah. his kids were in there, and he was just telling them, like, you know, we, it, I fell down today. Like, I'm going to get back up, and that, that's what you're going to do every time this happens. And it's just insane that we're doing this podcast. That yeah, Kobe Bryant's really seems, gone. It still seems like it's not true. Or there's no way it's true. I know. I wish it. Yeah, I wish we would have just done this. You know, I wish we just had this. Like, let's do an entire Kobe tribute podcast. And <laughs> uh, it's it, it's so weird because it, it doesn't feel like what's it been two and a half years since he retired. Yeah, I think uh, 2017 was his last year. Or we, 2016. Like when he retired, like this is what you saw on on Twitter. You know, you yeah, saw the these moments, moments these, yeah. these game winners, and the these conversations, these quotes, and and now you see it in such a just like in such a devastating form. It's it's really really tough to to process. Uh, you have anything else? Uh, the thing, some of the things, some of the stuff you see is just like cold chills. Like LeBron Saturday night wore on his shoes, Mamba forever. And somebody called it. It was like completely different meaning. Twenty four hours later, yeah. like it's just insane. Now, the, like I said earlier, the timing it's gonna it would have been terrible no matter when it happened. But like the just the timing of it is just insane. I mean, LeBron's played in a thousand games, and it just happened to happen the game after he passed him in scoring. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, the LeBron and Kobe commercials. Those are going to oh, be hard yeah. to watch forever with uh, what were, uh, the, the, the two puppets. I can't remember the, what the Muppets. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what their names were. Oh man, that was that was fun. Like that that and was what, such a cool era when Kobe and LeBron were on top of the world. Yeah, and like I said, this would be tragic no matter when it happened. But I mean, this is the year Kobe was getting in the Hall of Fame, and his speech would have been an all timer, the the greatest ever. And yeah. now it's like, yeah, now it's and, just going to be sad, and it feels insignificant, you know, to even like to like to want that speech you know yeah. for for what's going on with his wife and and kids and and I do want to uh, get this story out here real quick cuz we we kind of zoomed past the Shaq part but in 2000 he makes his first and only music video oh my and god that was uh, going all over twitter too it's uh, that L O V E E you know it's like <laughs> it, it, they're spelling out Kobe and love it's it's hard to do it's it's fast the song is kind of a banger oh slept on <laughs> but um there's literally a filmed video moment where he's meeting these girls that are on the set to help him with the video. And he meets Vanessa, his wife right there on camera. And it's just really cool. I mean, he meets her there, they have footage of it. And he just says like, you know, once I talked to her once, like we were on the set for two days and, and I would just go back to my trailer and just like wonder where she was, like wonder what she was doing. I, I would try to talk to her as much as I could. I would, try to say something funny as much as I could and at the very end of it like I I got her number she wrote her number down like back when you still had to write numbers down and <laughs> I called her we talked for hours and and I was a big nerd and I had gone from city to city I never really had a stable home anywhere and and I never really like opened up it got that close to somebody and we would go to Disneyland and like uh just hang out and she was a huge Disney nerd too and it was just like that was my best friend and Oh, it's just, it's heartbreaking. They went through so much in their relationship from 2004 to 2006, but, but they stuck it out for their children and, and it, it worked out. Like they, they had such a happy family and things were moving in such a positive direction. And the, the Bryant family is just capable of so much and, and they still are. It's just, uh, it just feels like it's not real. I mean, that, that Twitter clip just circulated, what, like two weeks ago of him talking to Gigi on the side of the, uh, I think, the Nets-Hawks game, and he's explaining yeah. something to her, and she's just, like, like excited and listening to him. She's not on her phone. Like, she's just taking in her dad's advice, his knowledge on the game. Yeah, I went from a pretty funny meme to completely different meaning as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing good about any of it. It's horrible. No, no it really is. You can keep going with the Kobe memes. Um... I mean, the 81 pin game, obviously, that's the first thing everybody remembers. Last game ever. Uh, nobody talks about his 62 points in three quarters against the Mavericks. At the end of three quarters, Kobe had 62, the Mavericks had 61. He sat out the whole fourth because they were up by so much. Yeah, I mean, they, they had to be up by a ton. That's the, same, that's the same season he dropped 81, too. God, it's insane. That, this story he told today to, that we listened to today, yeah. um, Big Hat and A-Rod, about how he ended the 40-point streak. Yeah, on, like, he could have scored, dumped it off to Shaq because they said Shaq was getting like disinterested because it was all about Kobe. Yeah, and he ended up with 38. <laughs> yeah, Big yeah, Hat was like, yeah, you really dialed it back from 40 to 38. Oh, man. The, funny, the funniest part about that interview and kind of a lighter Kobe story is when, at the end or towards the end when Big Cat jokingly asked him, he's like, uh, have you ever been triple teamed and not – want to shoot the ball or something and he's like uh depends on the team if smush parker's trailing i'm shooting that motherfucker. and if d fish back there i'll kick that shit out right right before he ends the interview that's such an average person (laughs) question yeah oh man just uh uh, there's so many good 
Kobe quotes, Kobe moments. Uh, you'll, you'll never run out of them. I mean, we, we could do this podcast for 24 hours, honestly. Um, another good one. This one's been everywhere, so you've probably seen this. Like I, I saw people putting screenshots that apps were sending it to them, sending it to their phone yesterday. Uh, the most important thing is to try to inspire people so that they can be great at what they do. And I think that's a great message, a, a thing to take from a really awful situation that we're going through right now. It's like life can suck, bad things can happen to you, and you can be at your worst possible moment. And somebody can ask you for help. A friend can ask you for advice, and you can like really come through for them. You can really, really help them out. And that is a great, great feeling, like to be able to to help. And and I think that's just something that Kobe was able to do. And like the bad teammate stuff was really interesting there on on the Big Cat and A Rod podcast. Like how he says like the ones that he had success with the ones that like really bought into who he was and his attitude like they still have a great relationship today so there's just yeah. no way that you could call him a bad teammate in terms of that and the ones that couldn't handle it those are the ones that they don't talk say anymore that. yeah and, so much Parker. <laughs> yeah exactly and like and good leaders like they're not always supposed to be liked you're not always going to say the the perfect thing because like I mentioned earlier like he's not going to tell you like oh you're you're doing great yeah. when you're not like honesty's powerful and I think no matter what you're going through, like you, you never know how much you can help somebody else out. So regardless of how hard life gets, make sure that you uh, consider the people that you care about. Make sure you're there for them and are just able to help them through whatever they're going through. Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, my favorite Kobe quote, I think it's pretty relevant to the situation, is um, the one thing you control is how people remember you. You are solely responsible for how people remember you or if they don't remember you, so don't take that responsibility lightly. And I think Kobe did a pretty good job of how he'll be remembered. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, oh man, it's, it's all just rough. God, yeah. what an awful day Sunday was. Yeah. Tough day. Still tough. Uh, it is. It's just, well, we were supposed to do, you know, a bachelor episode today, like the Grammys. We're going to talk about like <laughs> Louisville little, little basketball little for lighter 10 than minutes, this, yeah. you know, and God just, it doesn't seem right, but. I don't know. I I hope we did a. It's it's hard to do a great job, but hopefully we did a good job, kind of recapping all that he's been capable of doing. And and the last part of the uh, the Muse documentary is is definitely the most heartbreaking. Um, the credits come on, and it's to Beyonce's EXO the song, and uh, he is leaving a basketball game, and he just goes home, and he hangs out with his family on Christmas. And like they're they're having so much fun. I mean, he's dancing with his daughters in the living room. They're they're playing cards. They're making dinner. They're sitting on the couch. And oh, it's just like you can just see all the like love and happiness that's in the room. And it's it's hard to watch to know that he'll never get to experience that again. So uh, make sure you uh, cherish the people around you that make your life awesome. You never know when uh, conversation is the last one. Kobe Bryant was someone who always wanted to be better than Kobe Bryant was the day before. And I think that's a great way to live and operate. Uh, challenge yourself to be a better friend, a better father, better mother, better son, better brother, better sister every single day. Uh, take nothing for granted and grant yourself the ability to look in the mirror and uh, be proud of what you see. I am uh, sure proud of this uh, Kobe jersey that I have on, and I'm very thankful for all these memories. Uh, Austin, do you have anything else? Nope. Wrapped it up perfectly. Is that it? Yeah, that's, all, that's it. All right. Oh, TTY.